principle says. In the beginning, God. In other words, in the beginning of no beginnings, because there is never a one beginning point in infinity, which is really hard to wrap our minds around, but it's like there are parentheses in eternity that kind of mark eternity or mark infinity, but there's no point really that is the beginning. But whenever there seems to be a beginning in our minds, we can say there's one presence and one power. That's something that we can rely on. That, that's something we go back to. Charles Fillmore, co-founder of Unity, said the starting point for our spiritual understanding begins with a clearer understanding of the nature of the Almighty, or God. And in Unity's book, The Revealing Word, we find some thoughts to think about as far as attributes of God or facets of God. It says, the Almighty, Creator, Infinite, Eternal, not a person, but principle, unchangeable truth, the principle of absolute good expressed in all creation. And then it says, God is personal to us when we recognize God within us as indwelling life, intelligence, love, power. In other words, there is a difference between a personal God and God that is personal to us, and the difference comes when we identify ourselves with God, as it were, and then that's when we have a personal relationship. We sense the connection, and we have a personal relationship. Also, in Revealing Word, it speaks of God as imminent, meaning all uh, pervading and indwelling presence, and it speaks of God as transcendent, meaning always more than creation, always more than the created. For instance, I can say God or source is all that I am, but I have yet to sense all that God is. Does that make sense? So God imminent and then God transcendent. In one of Unity's earlier books, uh, early books, Lessons in Truth, which was um, commissioned by the co-founders of Unity, uh, and it's written by Emily Cady, and there's a chapter entitled Statement of Being, and I wanted to spend some time on this because it sets a good foundation for our, our whole, not only our lesson today, but our whole series of lessons. And she says, when Jesus was talking with the Samaritan woman at the well, he said, God is spirit, and they that worship must worship in spirit and in truth. He did not say God is a spirit. To say a spirit would imply the existence of more than one spirit. God is spirit, or the creative energy which is the cause of all. God as spirit is the invisible life and intelligence which underlies all. God is not a being or a person 
having life intelligence, love power, God is that invisible, intangible, but very real something that we call life. God is perfect love and infinite power. God is the sum total of these combined, the sum total of all good, whether manifested, expressed, or unexpressed. There is but one source of all the different forms of life or intelligence, whether they be man, animal, tree, or rock, she says. God is spirit. We cannot see spirit with fleshly eyes. You do not see the living, thinking me when you look at my body. You see only the form through which I am manifesting. She goes on to say, God is love. We cannot see love nor grasp any comprehension of what love is, except as love is clothed with a body. All the love there is in the universe, she says, is God. The love between husband and wife, parents and children, a mother's love, all of this is that one love manifesting in various degrees through individuals. She says God is wisdom or intelligence. All the wisdom or intelligence in the universe is God wisdom projected through a visible form. To educate never means to force into from the outside, but always means to draw out from within something already existing there. God as infinite wisdom or intelligence lives within everyone waiting to be drawn out into manifestation. She says this is true education. Teachers know that, right? God is power, she says. Not simply God has power, but God is power. All the power there is is God. God is not simply omnipotent, all-powerful, but God is omnipotence, all-power. Not just omniscient, all-knowing, but omniscience, all-knowledge. Not just omnipresent, but omnipresence, meaning everywhere. God is not a being having qualities, but is the good itself. She says God is substance, or the real thing standing under all life, love, intelligence, power. Each rock, tree, animal, everything is a manifestation of the one spirit, God differing only in manifestation. One drop of water taken from the ocean is just as perfect ocean water as the whole great body. The elements of water are exactly the same, whether it's a drop full, a pail full, a barrel full, or the entire ocean. They differ only in quantity. Each contains the whole, yet no one would make the mistake of supposing that each drop was the entire ocean. So, we might say then, God is not a being with many parts, but God is pure being with essential attributes that we can understand. Sort of like facets, many facets to uh, an infinite diamond, maybe we could think of it that way. So when we talk about the attributes of God, we don't mean the possessions of God. 
that God gives or takes away, but that God is the total of this. So how does this apply in our lives? How does, how does this become practical in our lives? How does exploring this and coming up with our own individual understanding, or a way of, of phrasing this or, or um, connecting with this, how does this pay the rent? How is this put into practice in our lives? I'm just going to speak personally, and you see how how this comes up for you. For me, um, the religious teachings that I had as a child taught of a God that could be loving and rewarding, but on the other hand, could be punishing and judging and vindictive. And the, the punishment would come if certain rules or regulations were not obeyed. And the rules and regulations were those set up by the particular church that I was uh, attending, which, by the way, taught that its way was the only way and everybody else was wrong. Well, I came to the point in my life when my questions were not being answered with anything that worked for me. The answers that I received didn't bring me peace, didn't bring me a sense of connection with life. And so I found my way to unity, which is a whole other story. But in unity, I found a new way of thinking and a new way of living. And I began to think in terms of God not as separate from me, not as separate outside of me, but I began to understand that I am always one with God or with source, that I'm always one with that presence and that power and that wisdom and intelligence and love and joy and, and that I don't have to look outside of myself to find that or find my connection with that. And I began to realize that the life that I live at this moment or any moment is not a life that is separate from God or separate from source and that each breath I take really is the breath of God because there's only one life. You know, the yogis have always said that all healing is, is in the breath. And so this begins to make sense if we understand that it's the flow of the one energy. So anyway, in my life, as I began exploring these thoughts, I became less comfortable with referring to God as he or as father. Um, I became more comfortable referring to God as mother, father, and then expanding that to beingness and allness and isness. So my God understanding grew from someone outside of me, like a Santa Claus type, that, you know, if I was good, I would get the goodies, and if not, I'd get 
punished uh, to a thought of all beingness and source that I am connected to and that I am the expression of. And the more I began thinking about this in terms of the infinite nature of God or source, the more I began realizing that it's the one life that is expressing, not only through me, but through everyone, every person, every form of life, and that in every one, not just people, but in, in all of life, we encounter the divine. Because everything is the manifestation of the divine, an expression of the divine. One presence, one power, it's the first principle. And it's flowing within us, through us, as us, and we sense it as love, we sense it as life, we sense it as substance, we sense it as abundance, as joy, as peace, as wisdom, as understanding, as as a sense of order, divine order, we sometimes use that term. But I particularly found the concept of God as principle helpful in my uh, experience as I was expanding the boundaries of my understanding. Probably because I understand to some extent how principle works. And, And there is no reward or punishment in principle. If we work with principle, let's use an example of electricity. If we work with the principle of electricity, our bread is toasted. If we try to work against it, we may end up being toast. (laughs) Right? And it's not punishment if you stick your finger in the socket, right? But if you use it in the way that it is geared to be used, you know, the step-down process there, then we get the results we want. The other thing that this helped me realize is that principle is not affected by ritual. We may find ritual helpful to us, but principle is not affected by ritual. For example, the principle of mathematics doesn't care, if you want to use those terms, if we use a pen, a pencil, a calculator, or if we do it in our head, right? Principle just is. If we work with principle, we get correct answers. If we try to work against principle, then we get something else. 
but principle is an end to punishment or reward in the human sense, and, hu and principle can always be relied upon. This I find so very, very helpful, and one of the things that I love. And another thing that I love about this concept of God as principle is it is not subject to anyone else's whims, cannot be swayed by someone else's desires or prayers and how that affects my life, um, is not swayed by someone else's concept of what I deserve. It can always be relied upon. It never judges, never condemns. Regardless of what has happened in the past, it is simply available. And so this means then there is no guilt, no shame, no blame, no unforgiveness that is a part of the equation in my life anymore. And this has been so freeing for me to realize. And I'm sharing it with you in hopes that as you begin to expand your thinking, you will find that this is very helpful as well. Because you see, in a real sense, the only one who holds our past against us and has any effect, real effect on us, is us. When we hold something against ourselves, then in a sense, we block the flow of love, which we feel as forgiveness. But it is not forgiveness that is handed down to us, but the love that we allow to flow. And so forgiveness then begins to be um, about our accepting this. So the first principle is one presence, one power, omnipresent. There is no lost from God. There are no God-empty spots in our life or in the universe. The presence of God is omnipresent. And where do we find God? Not outside of us. Not in what somebody else says is real for them. But we find the connection in the words of the psalmist. Be still and know that I am God. Our joy comes as we practice stillness. And that's, we'll talk more about maybe some techniques in that. But just any moment and being still and acknowledging the divine in us, flowing through us, as us. Where is God? Omnipresence, meaning everywhere evenly present, in all, through all, as all. We live and move and have our being in God, and the very life that we live is that one life. There's no outside of God, no outside of source. Knowing this is knowing we have access to all the answers that we seek. We have access to healing. 
to prosperity, to success, to peace, to harmony, all the good that we desire and which absolutely we deserve. An affirmation I like to use is, I am the point where God is expressing as me. I am the point where God is expressing as me. And when I say, thank you, God, I add, thank you, God, in me. Thank you, God, as me.